And one great benefit of it is that once they're there, they're there. And so you can go back and listen to them any time that you choose. You can also subscribe to the Word of Life podcast. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, it's on Google, and all of our sermons are on those three avenues as well, the website and also iTunes and Spotify and Google. And um, you can listen to them through the website or you can subscribe uh, to the podcast on your smartphone or some other device and you should be able to have access to all of the sermons from the congregation, the Wednesday night devotionals, and all of the um, Bible study podcasts from here on out. And if you have any trouble with any of that, then um, don't be shy. Come let, come let me know or someone else, and we'll do whatever we can to try and help you figure all of that out and put it all together. But again, I want to uh, just remind everyone that all of these things are going to be found uh, on our website and through podcast medium from here uh, on out going forward. Now, we mentioned a minute ago that we're preparing to go into a new year. And as, as we do that, I want us to think this morning for a moment about the concept or the idea of stewardship. We learn a number of examples, or a number, I should say, of principles about stewardship from God's Word. A steward, of course, is someone who's been entrusted with something that's not his own, And we learn, first of all, that stewards are responsible. Matthew 25 and verse 14, the beginning of the parable of the talents, tells us that the master gave his goods into the hands of those who were his servants. They were responsible for those things. We also learn that stewards are accountable. Matthew 25 and verse 19, the master returns home in the second part of that parable, and he calls each one of those servants to him to give an account of uh, the goods that were placed in their hands. And then we also learn that stewards must be faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says that it is required in stewards that a man be faithful. So responsible and accountable and faithful, all three of those things are principles that describe the, that describe the role of a steward or one who has been entrusted with something. Now, we recognize that we are stewards of literally everything, our lives, our material possessions, our families, and um, especially is that true as it pertains to our time. That's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about how we can glorify God by being good stewards of our time, how we can budget it and use it wisely, and what the Bible has to say about this subject. Of course, we remember that it's God who created time. Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, then God said, let there be light. And uh, the Bible says that uh, he created the greater light for the day and the lesser light for the night. Genesis 1, verse 16, God created time and God instructs us to count time and to use it wisely. Think about Psalm 90 and verse 12, where Moses says, teach us to number our days. Job 14 in verse number 1, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And Colossians 4 or 5 says that we are to simply redeem the time. So God made time, he blesses us with time, and he says, you need to take the time that I give you and you need to use it in the best way possible. So this morning we want, like to, we want to just consider together how we can do that, how we can glorify God with the time that he gives us. I want us to begin today, first of all, 
by thinking about how people use their time typically in the United States of America. I want you to think about your day and the hours of your day and start scrolling through in your mind what your normal routine is in every day of your life. And as you do so, I want to share with you some uh, statistical information from a number of studies that have been done over the last few years. And I want you to see if maybe you fall into any one of these categories. This uh, information is from a 2015 American Time Use Survey from the United States Census Bureau, and they found that in the United States of America, employed persons work an average of 7.8 hours per day. And then they said that 96% of us spend time in leisure every day. Men typically spend six hours in leisure, and women typically spend 5.2 hours in leisure. And those adults who are 75 years and over typically spend eight hours in leisure every day. That's 2015. Here's one from 2018. In 2018, a Nielsen report said that American adults spend more than 11 hours a day watching, reading, listening to, or simply interacting with media. So that's TV, that's Radio, that's uh, opening up your uh, smartphone or your iPad, that's scrolling through the internet, uh, watching a, a video on YouTube, whatever it is, American adults spend more than 11 hours every day interacting with media in some way. And if you talk only about television, they found that adults spend four hours and 46 minutes every day watching television in the United States of America. Now, I know that's a lot of different numbers, so let's put them all together. When you add them all together, here's what you have. In a 24-hour day, 7.8 hours are spent working, 6 hours are spent in leisure, 7 hours are spent sleeping, and that equals 20.8 hours of a 24-hour day. Now you have 4.2 hours left for eating, doing household chores, going to the grocery store, Uh, giving your kids baths, uh, whatever it is that you're going to do around your house. On average, the American has 4.2 hours every day after working, sleeping, and leisure time, whatever that means. Now, here's the obvious question. Where is the time for the Lord? All those studies and all of the surveys that I was able to find, none of them include time that people, uh, that the average American normally sets aside for studying God's word or praying or worshiping God or anything else that has to do with God or the Bible or Christianity at all. We spend a lot of time watching television and a lot of time relaxing and doing different things, but where is the time for the Lord? Now, each one of us has to ask ourselves the question, and that is, do we fit into the profile or to the picture of the average American? Those numbers are numbers of average Americans in our country over the last uh, two to uh, three to five years. Does that picture adequately describe us, or are we a little bit different? Now, As we think about that, and as we think about how we spend our time, and as we think about the time that we budget for each one of these things, and in particular, budgeting our time for for serving God, 
There are some things that we need to keep in mind in order to make sure that we are budgeting and spending our time, not necessarily in the way that the average person does, but in the way that a child of God should. First of all, we need to prioritize our time. The Bible speaks a lot about the importance of priorities. There are several passages, like for example, in Haggai chapter 1 verse 5, Haggai makes this statement. He says this, consider your ways. And the context of that statement, of course, has to do with time because the children of Israel, they've been released from Babylon. They've gone back to Jerusalem. They worked, you remember, on rebuilding the temple for a short period of time. And um, then they encountered some oppression, some difficulties from the folks that were there in the area. And so they stopped and they never got going again. And in that context, Haggai chapter 1, verse 3 to 5, the people say, it is time for us to build our houses, but it is not time for us to build the Lord's house. So Haggai 1, 5 says, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. That means re-examine your priorities. You say it's time for you and not time for me. You've got it backwards. Consider your ways. Then there's the New Testament, like Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Underline the word first. It is a word that has to do with priority. And also, interestingly, in context, this is the the part of Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus talks about not worrying or not being anxious. He talks about the fact that we're not to be anxious or worry about the basic necessities of life. Because God takes care of the flowers and God takes care of the birds, how much more will God take care of his people? The only thing he requires of us is that we prioritize him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, if you're then risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things in heaven and not on things of earth. What's Paul talking about in those two passages? He is talking about prioritizing things that are of heavenly value, not things that are of physical or worldly value. You could add Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, right alongside Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2, and you can see the same picture. Now, as we talk about our time, we have to recognize the importance of prioritizing our time. When we prioritize our time, we need to ask questions like what has to be done? What should be done? What can be put off but must be done sometime? What is it that I want to do but it's not going to really matter if I never get around to doing it? Those are the kinds of questions that we have to ask. And let me just make a few suggestions. As it pertains to things that must be done, here are a few. Number one, there's time for God. Do you remember all of those numbers we talked about just a moment ago? There was one study where it talked about the amount of time that the average American spends per week in spiritual activity. Now, pay close attention. Not in one day, but in one week, the average American spends 48 minutes. 48 minutes per week in spiritual activity, that's not even going to get you through one Sunday morning period of Bible class and worship. And yet that's what the average American dedicates of all of their time to God. 
But what does the Bible say about how we're to use our time on a regular or on a daily basis? Start at the beginning of the Old Testament and work your way through to the end of the New Testament and think about what the Bible teaches about time. Under the Mosaic Law, for example, there were offerings and sacrifices that were to be offered every day. There was some attention that was to be given to God every day. In the book of Daniel, chapter 6, you remember that Daniel's enemies were jealous and envious of him, and they knew that there, wasn't, they, there was nothing negative that could be said about him or no charge that could be levied against him except for his devotion to God. And so they convinced the king to uh, set up or en- enact the law that said, if you pray to anybody else other than, other than the false god, other than the king, you're going to be thrown into the den of lions. But then Daniel 6.10 says that Daniel, as his custom was, three times every day bowed his knee in prayer. Daniel had time set aside every day for prayer to God. Psalm 61 and verse number 8, the psalmist talks about daily fulfilling his vow or his obligation. In uh, Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow after me. The early church, Acts 5.42, they were together in every house and in the temple teaching and and, uh, fellowshipping together on a daily basis. And you know Acts 17 verse number 11. The Bible says in that passage that those in Berea were were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures how often? They searched the scriptures daily. The Bible teaches us that if we're going to prioritize our time, that what ought to be at the very top of our list, not just for a week's uh, schedule, but every day, a daily schedule, must include, first and foremost, time that we set aside to, well, time for God in prayer and in reading of the Bible and in meditating on God's word and serving God. There must be time for God. But there must also be time for our families. We've got to prioritize time for our families. It's so unfortunate that as we look across the scope of our country and our world to look at how many people dedicate themselves to their, um, to their uh, leisure activities and to their jobs and their family suffers in the process because there's just not enough time left over. But you know, the Bible says things like 1 Peter 3, verse number 7, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Can I ask how we're to dwell with our wives according to knowledge if we never actually spend any time with them getting to know them? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, verse 4, that fathers are to not provoke their children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. Fathers are supposed to teach their children, but how can they do it if they don't spend any time with them? How can we hope to appreciate the blessing of family, the blessing of children, Psalm 127, if we don't actually dedicate time to being with our family and being with our children? We've got to prioritize time for our families. We also need to prioritize time for our own spiritual growth and revitalization. Think about Genesis chapter 24 and verse number 63 where we find Isaac who goes out into the field to be alone for a period of relaxation and meditation. Or Luke 2 and verse 52 where the Bible tells us about Jesus that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He's talking about emotional, physical, and spiritual uh, growth and development in that passage. And that trend continued. 
Because in Mark 1.45, the Bible tells us that one of Jesus' common things was to go off by himself, to have time alone, so that he could reflect and rest and pray. There has to be time for our own personal growth and revitalization. There are a number of other things that uh, we ought to prioritize time for, but if we're going to make a list of the top three, God, family, our own spiritual growth, relaxation, that's got to be at the top of the list. We've got to prioritize our time. If we're going to glorify God with it, we have to, we have to make a decision. We have to make a, a plan in our minds. Here are the things that are going to occupy positions of prominence in how I spend my time. Then when we're done prioritizing, we've got to plan. We've got to plan our time. Colossians 4 verse 5 says that we are to redeem the time. And the idea of redeeming is the idea of planning and taking advantage of it. There is a man by the name of Mark McCormick who's, an author, who's the author of a book called What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School. And he is known for his management techniques. And he says in his book that he spends one full hour every day planning how he will use the other 23. But that's biblical. Listen to Proverbs 21 and verse 5. Solomon says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. It doesn't really matter what uh, direction you want to go. You could go to a library and you could look up every book that has to do with being a better manager or uh, a book that has to do with improving yourself and your daily routine, a book that has to do with, well, anything in that particular sphere. And every one of those books is going to say something about the importance of planning and setting goals. Did you know that our God plans Listen to these passages. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. What does the Bible say about the arrival of Christ into the world? The Bible says in Galatians 4 and verse 4, When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. What does God mean when he talks about the fullness of the time? He's talking about the fact that the time was exactly right. That implies planning. Ephesians 3 and verse number 11, the Bible talks about the eternal purpose of God. Do you realize that before God ever said, let there be light and created time, he already had a plan for Jesus to come into the world and die on the cross and for the church to be established. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus said to the apostles, you're going to go and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and into the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the purpose statement for the book of Acts, and it's God's plan for how the church would spread. Romans 11 and verse number 33. That passage is a passage in which we find a summary of the wisdom of God in creating a plan for man's salvation. So when we talk about planning our time, we've got to recognize that planning is a biblical concept. And I know that because the Bible says that the one who plans, that those plans lead to plenty, but the one who doesn't, those lead to poverty, Proverbs 21.5. But also because I'm to follow the example of God and God plans. So how do we plan? How do we plan our time? What about establishing goals? Again, we have a biblical precedent for establishing goals. Consider 1 Samuel 26, verse verse 25. Even Saul predicted that David would do great things. David planned the temple of God, 1 Chronicles 28. Paul planned to preach in Rome, Romans 15 and verse number 20. 
There is biblical precedent, not only for prioritizing and planning our time, but also establishing goals for our time. And then, of course, plugging time leaks. That's a big part of of, uh, planning our time and redeeming it and prioritizing it. Listen to this. Did you know that the average American would gain 47 hours per week? They would gain 47 hours per week if they simply turned off their television. That's an average of over 6.7 hours per day. What could you do with an extra 6.7 hours per day or an extra 47 hours per week? 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2 tells us that it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And that's talking about self-discipline. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and uh, verse number 24, as he talked about self-discipline, he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Again, that's self-discipline. And if we're really going to plan our time, if we're going to establish these goals and make sure that we control our time instead of allowing our time to control us so we can be certain that our time is used to glorify God to the best of our ability, then that's going to mean being disciplined about how we plan it and how we prioritize it and making sure that we carry through or follow through with the things that we plan. Here's one final point and the lesson will be yours. If we're going to glorify God with our time, not only does that mean prioritizing and planning, but it also means putting an end to procrastination. Tomorrow is the busiest day of the year. We often talk about tomorrow. We often talk about the things that we'll do on that day, but so often we never get around to actually doing them. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we procrastinate in practically every area of life. But listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 13, 16 Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. Every prudent man, that's talking about one who makes a plan, one who acts on the plan that he makes. Listen to Proverbs twenty-two, thirteen. The lazy man says, there is a lion outside, I will be slain in the streets. He's making an excuse. And then in Proverbs 27, verse number 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. There are three things that we learn from those three passages in Proverbs. Number one, if we're going to end procrastination, just like we talked about a moment ago, we have to make a plan. And then number two, we have to not make excuses. And then number three, we have to set a deadline. Start today. Proverbs 27.1 says, you don't know what the, next day's, what the day is going to bring forth or if there even will be a tomorrow. Planning, prioritizing, putting it into procrastination. I know how much time God gives me in the day. I know God wants me to use it to the best of my ability, to his glory. So I'm going to sit down. I'm going to make a plan on how I can do it. And then to borrow the language of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to perform the doing of it. I'm not going to put it off any longer. I'm simply going to do what needs to be done. David said in Psalm 119 verse 60, I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. In Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 11, we read about this lazy person. And the lazy person, the sluggard, is told, go to the ant and consider her ways. Look at how she works. Look at how she plans. Look at how she's busy and how she doesn't stop, how she doesn't rest, how she takes care of the work that needs to be done. Jesus said in Luke 9, verse 59 to 62, let the dead bury, let the dead bury their dead. Don't turn back. Don't worry about the things that are past look forward to the present and to the future and serve God. As we head into a new year, 
I know we're all very busy with making our plans and making our goals, thinking about what we want to do and how we can improve on the year that's gone by. And um, if we're being honest with ourselves, I know I'm speaking for myself now, if I'm being honest for my, with myself, if I were to take all of the areas of weakness, all of the areas in my life that could use improvement that would literally change my life for the better, time management would be at the top of the list. And so I want us to all think carefully, and I want to encourage all of us to think carefully and biblically about what the Bible says about this precious commodity of time that God gives us. We have today, we're alive right now, but we're not guaranteed to see tomorrow. And so every moment that we have needs to be used in the best way possible to the glory of God. And we can do that by prioritizing, by planning, and not procrastinating. Think about those things as you prepare for the year that's to come. We're going to offer the Lord's invitation this morning. It may be that there's someone here today who's not a Christian. Someone here today who has not dedicated their life to the service of Christ Jesus. If that's the case, if that's you, then we urge you to make that decision. Make that change in your life right now. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Make the decision now. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? John 8, 24. Are you willing to repent of your sins and confess your faith? Romans 10, 9 and 10. Acts 3, verse 19. Are you willing to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins? Acts 2 and verse 38. If you're ready to do those things, then the Lord will add you to the church this day. If you're a Christian and maybe there are some things in your life that are just not like they should be, maybe you'd like the church to pray for you so that you might be encouraged as you try to make better use of your time. Whatever your need might be, won't you come forward and let it be known while we stand and sing together.